And now, on with the show. <laughs> Lost it. You, you almost... You were I was so gonna close. start. I was about to start our intro. I'm gonna mess it up every week. Oh God, this is all David's fault yet again. I don't know how he's got such I, an aptitude for absolutely derailing right as I'm about to try to introduce our podcast here. I've always been good at disruption. <sighs> anyway, we just learned that David has so helpfully enlightened the women in his home as to what DVDA stands for. DVDA. So thanks for that, David. That's what I said, DVDA. So there's that. That's something. <laughs> what are we doing? We've got a podcast here. This is what we are. Uh, weekend Watch. That's how, how to podcast. So you should listen. Here we go. This podcast movies about. Don't watch. Don't let the title fool you. You can't you watch, watch this podcast. You got to listen to it. It's a very <laughs> unfortunate name for a show that is audio only. Weekend Listen. Weekend Listen. But then the... <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's too much <laughs> listen to our show about things you should watch here we go <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ keith tell me about something i can't stop <laughs> I know. all right first one i want to talk about is a show on netflix it is a netflix original and um this is one that I get a little bit of pushback, so it might be a little controversial because people that I ask if they've watched it, they usually tell me they've watched one or two episodes and didn't really get into it, and yet it sucked me in immediately. It's called The Umbrella Academy. You might have seen it on Netflix. You might have watched a little bit, um, or maybe you watched all of it, but if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. It really appealed to me. I haven't read the comics. I've heard if you've read the comics, maybe you won't like it, so be aware of that, but I haven't read the comics. I thought the show was fucking great. I love these characters. It is a really odd premise of, of superhero shit. Um, it's about these seven kids that were all born on the same exact day in 1989, October 1st, 1989. The, the unique case was that none of their mothers were pregnant beforehand. They just immediately became pregnant and had these children and all of these children (laughs) all of these children have special abilities all of them are different some are super strong some can move through space and time some have uh they can see the dead and talk to the dead and stuff so everybody is unique and not only are their powers unique but their characters are as well and this guy acquires he's this eccentric billionaire he acquires 10 of them or seven of them, rather, and they became the Umbrella Academy, and it's it's him setting them up to be this like superhero force, and fucks them up as children, so they become dysfunctional superhero adults, and it is it's fucking great. I love it. I think it's funny. I think it's got good heart. Um, I I really love the characters. You know, uh, Klaus is is one of the characters and he has so many great lines. He has so many great qualities as a, as a character to watch that it he's one of my favorites. Number five is also uh, a lot of the, or 
they never got names until they were older. They were all just numbers, number one, two, three, four, and five, because their father was a dickhead. So it it's really just a, a great show. It doesn't take itself too seriously for being superhero, and yet everything is um, just so smooth. Uh, it, it's chaotic in a in a really smooth way because shit's happening all the time, and they're always throwing twists at you because they're messing with time. They're messing with how how that works. Um, it have you guys watched this? Either of you? This was I'm in that first camp, man. Like I watched the first two or three episodes, and I did not hook me. Yeah, which is unusual for me because even shows where I'm just like, eh, this is only okay. Mm-hmm. I usually at least try to go through, you know, the season. The first the season. Yeah, yeah. Like I made it all the way through um, that stupid fairy bullshit show on prime with the detective yeah, carnival yeah. Oh. yeah thank you i went through that whole thing and i hated it and this one i just didn't care for it at all like i didn't care about it yeah i didn't i didn't like it i didn't hate it so i just stopped watching it see and i hear that and uh it, it just it surprises me because it hooked me almost instantly just within the first like 15 minutes i was like okay i'm gonna watch this show and uh, the second season just came out and I was really skeptical of it because um, I, I like the first season so much. And that's always scary going into season two and wondering if they're going to fuck it up or not. And I liked it almost more. I would say just as much, maybe not more, but i liked it just as much as the first season. And I think this is a great show and it really surprises me when people have that stance. Not that it, I, I don't see your point. It's just, it hooked me so quickly that it it's it's odd to me that a lot of people are turned off right away by it. Right, and like I said, maybe you know, maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace when I tried to watch it. Maybe I'll give it another shot. I'm I'm with you, Keith. I Mystic was watching um watching it before, and so like I caught a little bit of some snippets of some future episodes. But uh, we started over again, and I got through the first episode, and I'm really curious about everything that's going on. You know, um all these characters are so fucked up in their own personal ways. And um, I'm curious to see the abuse inflicted on them by this terrible old, old dude, this explorer, this eccentric guy. Yeah. And it's great because they do fuck with time a lot. So your, your continuum is, is always at risk of, of changing a bit so they can do kind of whatever they want in, in a, in a weird way. You know, the characters don't really, see it that way they're kind of trapped in in the timelines that they're in but i don't know i I won't spoil anything for you because uh there's some great twists there's some great clever little things thrown in there so keep watching but they do fuck with time a lot and i i kind of love when they when people do that and they don't take it too seriously you know when you have these time travel movies that are and and shows that are taking themselves too seriously they always have the biggest paradoxes and stuff when they don't take it as seriously, they just kind of fiddle with time and it works. And it, it like back to the future. It's one of my favorite trilogies that that was not a great concept of time travel. And yet it was just fun enough to be good. Right. Know? It didn't matter. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what they're doing here where it it's, overly complicated and yet underly complicated so it just works and it's it's really good you're not getting you're not getting a bunch of marvel fanboys all up in air about all up up in arms about the the time travel and end game kind of a thing right yeah no it, it's it's part of it from the very start it's part of it so um 
I don't know. I, I found this to be a super enjoyable show with a bunch of lovable characters, a couple of them in particular. And I, I felt like it got better. And, and I watched it all the way through the first season, all the way through again to, to watch the second season. And I found more stuff that I loved about it the second time through. There was just little intricacies, little snippets that they sneak in there that it, it's really good for another go through. If you've already watched it, watch it again. Get into the second season because it's worth it, man. Second season's great. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it another try. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I'll go next. Um, so I was going to recommend a movie that just dropped uh, on the 6th. And that is an American pickle. This is Seth Rogen's newest movie. It's an HBO max original. Um, Seth Rogen stars as Herschel Greenbaum, a struggling laborer who immigrates to America. Sorry. That was my phone. Turn up your phone. Motherfucker. (laughs) A struggling laborer who immigrates to America in 1919 with dreams of building a better life for his beloved family. One day, while working at his factory job, he falls into a vat of pickles in his brine for 100 years. The brine preserves him perfectly, and when he emerges in present-day Brooklyn, he finds that he hasn't aged a day. When he seeks out his family, he is troubled to learn that his only surviving relative is his great-grandson, Ben Greenbaum, also played by Seth Rogen, a mild-mannered computer coder whom Herschel can't even begin to understand. So, You're right, David. It's a stupid concept, but it's Seth Rogen. Like... it's, it's that stupid from the beginning, just from the synopsis. Like, it, how could you go wrong? It's it's absolutely the dumbest thing, the dumbest <laughs> premise ever. But it honestly, it reminds me of what we were just talking about, like with the time travel, where there's like time travel happens. Don't ask quite too much questions. There's like a line at the beginning of the movie. So I, I don't feel bad talking about it where right after he comes out of the, in present day, and there's a, like a press conference with him sitting at a table with a bunch of scientists. And there's a voiceover of him saying like the scientist explained to all the reporters exactly how it happened and the science behind it. It worked. Or it made perfect sense to everyone involved. No more questions were needed. And then they just completely <laughs> disregard it for the rest of the movie. Uh, and it <laughs> worked. was really it clever worked. because, because this stupid. movie isn't about uh, some, you know, it's not the pickling Weird process by premise, you know, it's, it's a really, honestly, it was a very heartwarming family movie. Come on. It was, it, was, it was strangely heartwarming. We got to the end of it. My wife was like, well, that was a really nice heartwarming movie. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it it kind of yeah. was <laughs> like, there was some, you know, some typical Seth Rogen type humor in the movie. It is PG 13. It's not R rated. So what it didn't go, you know, full super bad or anything. But it was just very much focused on the story of how you like how these these two family members from different generations interact, Um, you know, one being a very much a product of of the early 20th century and the other being, you know, someone modern day and how they deal with their own separate tragedies together. And it was just really good. I enjoyed it. It was it wasn't his best movie. There's definitely a lot that I could nitpick with it. Um, I was talking with Laura about it and she said her big issue was that it, the movie itself didn't really know what it wanted to be. Like the direction was a little bit in all over the place in it at, at a few points, um, which I totally understand, but overall I still think it's definitely worth a watch. It's it, like I said, it's funny. It's heartwarming. 
it's just a good a good movie especially for you know um a straight to streaming release and i agree with you and laura for that matter because uh i do understand what she's saying it it, it kind of it kind of was a little weird in that way. It, it didn't know exactly what it wanted to do. Uh, it was mostly just about family values and being funny and ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, that was that was kind of enough for it. The one thing that I I was left wanting on out of a Seth Rogen film uh, was that that Seth Rogen sidecast his his supporting roles. I've, I look back on a lot of Seth Rogen movies and He's just supported so well with a lot of these Judd Apatow guys. Like, um, what's the the this is the end? You know, he's yeah. he's with Jay in that one, and Jay Burrow, the, and, yeah, and Jonah Hill, and Jason Siegel, and and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. His his supporting guys are always there with him in some form. Um, what's his name? The the in the interview. Fuck. Why am I spacing his name? Franco. Yeah, James Franco. Uh, you know, they're all, all of those Judd Apatow guys, when they get together, they have such chemistry that it, it just always, even if the movie isn't that great, it always amplifies it a bit. And he was really missing that in this film where he's his own supporting role. Uh, right. this was him and him for almost the entire movie. And, and it was good. It was actually really well done. You know, I found their interactions to feel a lot more natural than they can in this similar setting where you can tell their their eyes are locking somewhere completely different than where the person actually is that they're supposed to be looking at and stuff. Now it, it actually felt supernatural and they did a good job with it, but I I love the supporting actors that he usually gets in his movies and that's that's the only thing I was left wanting on. Otherwise I thought it was a great movie. I I really enjoyed myself throughout it. Yeah, um I don't know. I think a good comparison to this would be the one he was in most recently before this, which was long shot. I don't know if he wrote that or not. I don't uh, think I caught that one. I think I missed that one. I think that it's also on HBO. Um, no, it doesn't look like, I think he just acted in it. Um, it was not his, but it had a, it was him and Charlize Theron. Okay. I remember the one you're talking about now. I, I didn't actually watch it. I would check it out. It's yeah, fucking fantastic. I liked it better than American pickle. Okay. But um yeah, it's it's a decent comparison because it's another movie where he doesn't have that supporting cast. You know, it's a bunch of different people he's never really worked with. Charlize Theron, I will say O'Shea O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in it and he was fantastic. Yeah. That sounds that sounds like a good movie. Just Definitely worth a watch. I'll probably I'll do a whole separate recommendation on that at some point. But um it's a good a good comparison. Like I would say they're on similar levels of enjoyment. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it for me for for an American pickle. Um, Me too. I I definitely recommend it, even though it's not his best. Like you said, it is definitely worth a watch. It it is not perfect, but but watch it. Yeah. For a 90 minute movie, you can't go wrong. Uh, David, welcome back. Well, from heartwarming, we go to um, heartless, I guess. (laughs) Um, My first recommendation this week is The Addams Family, the 1991 uh, original movie uh, based on the old ass black and white show. I don't know when that came out originally. Um, like the it's like the fifties or sixties, something. Yeah, in the black and whiteies, I guess. <laughs> um, the eccentric lifestyle of the Adams family is threatened 
when the family attorney and a greedy mother slash son team conspire to steal the family fortune. Um, this one, this is another trip down nostalgia lane for me. I really, I grew up on this movie. Um, just this entire cast is is classic. Um, the the makeup, the prosthetics are spot on, amazing. The special effects are fantastic. That it start to finish, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, this is definitely a nostalgia trip for me. I really love this movie. Um, I will say that I much prefer the sequel, Adam's was, Family Values. Oh, thank you, Spencer. I was gonna get there. I was gonna say this is one of those cases where I find the sequel to be better. I mean, that whole uh, Christopher Lloyd is so fucking good in these films that, like, uh, and I, I really Fester. think, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I really think. Talking that with the sequel that was really showcased really well. And right. Cause I mean, half the movies about him specifically. Right. Um, that being said, the original David, uh, I think is also a must watch. Uh, this is yeah. one that we both revisit, uh, every year around Halloween. Like we watch both, both of them back to back. Um, my favorite part is in both these movies is the relationship between, uh, Raul Julia and Angelica Houston. Uh, They're so Gomez great. And they have that cartoony relationship that is captured so well in real life. They, they're perfect. They capture it perfectly. Well, and I mean, the relationship between Raul Julia and Christopher Lloyd too, the, the brother relationship, he's just, they're the whole cast has this chemistry that just flows amazingly well for, I mean, especially this type of movie. Um, Christina Ricci's, wooden dead-eyed cold demeanor is perfect in this movie for yeah she's a great wednesday i I do think she did a great job with it she was a, a good little actor yeah that's i mean let's be all let's all be honest we were all in elementary school when these movies were big like she was the crush right in everything yeah. she was in like yeah it was it was christina ricci always and forever sleepy hollow Oh, that was, yeah. Stop. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, yeah. So absolutely fantastic. Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, right? Was the director. Yeah, I believe you're right. Um, that is correct. Yeah. It looks like it. Great movie. Um, watch, yeah, watch, watch this one, follow it up with the second one. Cause it is worth it. It, it like, it's better. It's even better. They're it, both is great, the second but... one even streaming. I, I only saw that this one was streaming on Netflix. It might not be prime video. Right. It's on prime oh, nice. video. Um, so maybe we should just do a whole one on that at some point too. Maybe we could do a themed episode leading up to leading up to Halloween. Yeah. Or a whole month, a whole month, Halloween month, Halloween month. May, I'm starting. I'm, September I'm really, 1st. I'm really curious about picking up shutter and I'm probably going to do that. Nice. Halloween. Um, I will say that my favorite part in the original is that f- those few scenes where they're like exiled to suburbia after they get kicked out of their house and it's this like high Gothic family trying to live in, in the suburbs, like in the motel and, and deal with all of that. And just like their small talk that they make. Is, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking just, like, it's so good. Frustration with everything. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move on. David, do you have anything else you want to say about the Adams family? Watch it. My man, Keith sounded a little confused <laughs> about that one. <laughs> we usually do it on the second recommendation. 
Changing it up. Catchphrase. <laughs> Never know when it's coming. He's throwing curveballs at me. All right. My next recommendation is a Prime video. Uh, I, I believe it's an original on Amazon. Yeah, it's an Amazon original. And it is called Good Omens. It is uh, based off of a book by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. I believe Neil Gaiman is, and and maybe even Terry Pratchett were heavily involved in the creation of the show. It stars uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Like, how can you fucking go wrong with that? If if that's not enough to to sell you on this show, it has an eighty four percent critic review, ninety percent audience review. This is a show about Michael Sheen playing an angel and David Tennant uh, playing a demon. And they are stuck on earth to make sure that the end of days happens. And they have uh, David Tennant is, is directed to nurture up the antichrist sent by his father, Satan and make sure the end of the world comes. And Michael Sheen is there to, to make sure that the, the angels are set to to come and and win that war, and it is nonstop fun. Oh my god, have you guys watched this show? I watched it the second it came out. Yeah, we did as well, and it's just fucking amazing. What did you think? I was a big fan of the book. Um, it was one of my favorite books, you know, like in high school and college era, and I was super excited to see that it was getting the miniseries treatment because. It's definitely not the story you could tell in a movie. Yeah, even a three-hour movie would not cover this amount of material. Um, so I was a huge fan. I loved. I, I mean, I think I I binged it in like two days, and Same. I loved every second of it. Um, the cast, like you said, was was amazing. Uh, not even just Michael Sheen and David Tennant, who are obviously fantastic actors and did really well with their parts, but all the way down the list. I mean, Nick Offerman was in it. John Hamm yeah. was in it. John Hamm um, was Gabriel and God damn, he was hilarious. I love John Hamm. I, I just love him. And, and Gabriel was understandable. <laughs> John, uh, playing Gabriel. He was fucking perfect for this role. So you're right. Yeah. The, the, the whole cast. Uh, I really enjoyed Jack Whitehall. Who's, really underrated English comedian and actor. Um, he did this series on TV four, I think called uh, bad education, which is definitely worth watching. It's fucking hilarious. But uh, if you're into, you know, English sitcoms, but I, he did, he played a uh, Newton Pulsifer, the one of the hunt, the hunter. Yeah. The original one. Yeah. The younger one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, huge fan of the show. It's a really interesting story. It's really good satire, um, smartly written, just really well made. Yeah, like I said, uh, it was it was written by Neil Gaiman. The book was, and he was an executive producer. He was a writer on the show. He was very hands on with this, and it definitely showed. Like they captured the right aspects of the book. Like you said, it was it was miniseries style, so they had more room to work. And he did it. He he. He took his one of his best uh, writing, his, his, one of his best novels, and just wrote it perfectly into the screen. And I, I loved every second of it. Yeah, same. Were you able to catch any of this, David? Um, I haven't, but I, it piques my interest every time I see it. And this is this I is really something like that's Neil Gaiman. It, this is right up your alley. Like you would absolutely love this. The the little I heard it pissing people off too. 
Oh yeah. So, it takes yeah. it takes some knocks at the Bible. If you are <laughs> if you're sensitive to some of that, you you might not enjoy this show, but they it gives some really good Bible knocks and it it just left me dying. I was rolling. I I, I love the humor. Is this a zealot test? <laughs> I mean uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, don't don't watch this if, if you're sensitive to if, if you're a Christian, and you're sensitive to your faith being made fun of just satire. Yeah, yeah, this is not a this is not for you because <laughs> it, it fully just it, it takes the whole story and it it doesn't lie about it. It takes it and it, it takes various stories out of the Bible and it and it shines a light on them in a very real way. And <laughs> some, sometimes that is just the perfect satire. So yeah, watch it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I I love this show. I've watched it multiple times. It is definitely one to check out. I've I've had too many people tell me that they haven't watched it yet. So definitely go out there and watch it. Yeah. Uh, let's move forward. I think the next one we're going to go over is mine, and that is The Dirt, a Netflix original from 2019. Uh. Based on the best-selling autobiography from Motley Crue, the film is an unflinching tale of success and excess as four misfits rise from the streets of Hollywood to the heights of international fame. So this is basically a dramatization of the I said the autobiography that Motley Crue wrote about their meteoric rise in the 80s and all the crazy dumb shit they got up to on the road and touring and being, you know, young guys in their teens and 20s becoming international rock stars and all the dumb shit that goes along with that. Um, I thought it was fun. I've read the book before and it was absolutely as ridiculous or even more ridiculous than the movie itself. Uh, David, you were before we were talking about this before we started recording about how you're skeptical of it, right? I mean, a little bit. Um, there's a, a couple parts in the movie where they sort of reference, you know, the questionable veracity of the, of their story um but you know at the same time there's the voice in the other voice inside my head that's like yeah, it was a lot of coke and it was the 80s so um you know it, but besides my uh sort of disbelief about the entire authenticity of this story it was i really enjoyed the movie um you know i thought the cast was really great i thought the the story was kind of nonstop fun um it was a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm sure there's plenty of of the stories in probably both the book and the movie that are embellished, that are a little extra. But honestly, like they were one of those bands who it's entirely possible did most of the things that they claim they did. Well, I even mean, in the credits, they had they had the side by side shots of of like what they filmed for the movie and what they caught on camera for from Motley Crue being Motley Crue, you know? Right. Yeah. So I can totally believe a lot of this happened. My biggest gripe with it was that it rifled through some of the shit so quickly. And I get that they had a, a big, long story, but they rifled yeah. it through it so quickly that the, the really heartfelt, the really heartbreaking, heartwarming moments didn't have the hit that they needed to have. It just, it just was, blowing past shit zoom 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 focus in on the partying and like that we got a lot of like the glory as the amplified story of this where they could have focused in on some of the more realistic side of 
of life of what it right. was like to be Motley Crue. Um, yeah, I'll give you that. Absolutely. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch. Um, and that given that I did enjoy it as well. And I love, I love the actors. I love the characters. I felt like they picked the right actors for these guys. Uh, Vince Neal's who, who played Vince Neal. He was fucking brilliant. And uh, same. Daniel um, Weber. Yeah, it was Daniel Weber. And uh, um, Machine Gun Mc- Kelly played uh, Tommy, Lee? Tommy Lee. Yeah. And he did a really good job of that. And uh, Mick Mars, what's his name? You uh, and you and Rion. Yeah. Ewan, the guy Man, who played I, uh, the oh God. He was Bolton. The bastard Bolton. Ramsey Bolton. Yeah. yeah. Ramsey. Ramsey Bolton. Thank you. And he was in yeah, Misfits. Yeah. He was in what the, one of our Do Not Watches, and he was the best part of the Do Not oh, Watch Inhumans. of Inhumans. Yeah, um, like he was a great actor in that too. It was just too bad that he had shit writing and shit acting around him. Um, so I, I loved him. His character as Mick Mars was great. That just that somber, sour old man part of the Motley Crew. You know, yeah. he played that. I mean, Mick Mars didn't he reveal not that long a few years ago that he was basically was and still is in a shitload of pain constantly that's that's some, just some his life medical yeah. disorder yeah he, he portrayed that really well especially he, in a time where it wasn't as well known right he was great he he was a great character so i i love the acting i love the characters i just wish they could have you know if if they would have toned back the the glory partying a bit yeah. and really nailed the the more realistic side of life in that in that time um, I think it could have been a better biopic, but at the same time, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was great to watch. Yeah, it was just fun. That's exactly it. Um, definitely worth a watch. It, I think the director was Jeff Tremaine, the guy who directed and show produced Jackass. Oh, really? Yeah. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they were doing <laughs> Jackass stuff before Jackass was a thing, just throwing shit out of hotels and jumping off of shit and whatnot. Yeah. So again, this is this is another one of those movies. I guess that's my theme today. Is it's not a good movie, but it's it's entertaining, and you should watch it. Well, I never really liked Machine Gun Kelly before, I, I, and I I can't say I really because I don't really like Tommy Lee all that much. But they really kind of lined up really well. He played that character really well. He did, he did a fantastic job. I thought. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for me on on the dirt. Let's uh, move along. I think David. You're up. Uh, my second recommendation this week is Starship Troopers. Oh boy! Um, got some mixed reviews on this. I, I mean, I absolutely know it as a cult classic. Um, this is uh, it's a story of Rico. Uh, can't remember his last name. Damn, whatever. Um, <laughs> he's he's a kind of a spoiled rich boy, um, and against his parents' wishes, he goes off to fight the bugs he, he joins the military and goes to fight also, the bugs but did you say that his first were you his name is john rico rico is his last name bro you know what you know what anyway johnny rico johnny rico <laughs> johnny rico i'm i'm distracted <laughs> you're not distracted you're distracted high. distracted <laughs> by distracted by all the weed. <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean, beyond the the kind of uh, uh, not bad acting, but just sort of rigid acting, um, this movie's got a lot to say. Uh, you know, it's it's there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah, I got to uh, agree with you. I I recently watched it, 
uh, again for the umpteenth time. This is one I revisit all the time because, like you said, it's a cult classic, and it's it's got a message. This is honestly, I think, one of the smartest military satire movies ever made, and I think it does it in does it so well that the message gets lost on a lot of people. It gets that sounds a little. Out. That sounds a little. I feel bad now. I feel like that sounds a little neckbeardy, but <laughs> but honestly, I think it's true. It is the the satire is so sharp. I think it's not. It doesn't sink into everybody who watches it. But the little snippets from the federal network, the FedNet, yeah, at, like it's just so iconic in this movie. Would you like to know more? And I'm doing my part, and it's all this propaganda being thrown at your face. And yeah, it is a scathing uh, denouncement of the military industrial complex. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I love this movie. I've loved it since I was a kid because it was a fun space bug shoot 'em up movie. And you go back and watch it. And as, as an adult and you're like, Oh, holy shit. This movie is actually trying to tell me something. I mean, as a, as a shitty kid, the gore and the tits drew me in as. Right. An adult, yeah. Uh, I mean, let's be fair as a 30 year old. It's those things too. Yeah, but then right. like I actually catch like meaning to it. <laughs> but, yeah, if you yeah, haven't I, seen this movie, you got to watch it. It's it's that good. It's it's a great movie, and it's it's uh it's got its its message, but it, it's just entertainment at the same time. Even if you're not looking for a message, it's an entertaining film. It's probably one of the least hammy films that uh, Neil Patrick Harris has ever acted in. Like. He did not ham up this role at all. He didn't overact it or anything. It, he's a very minor role, but like he actually he actually was like the more steady actor in this whole movie compared to everybody else. This was a uh, Paul Verhoeven did this movie. Uh Showgirls, Basic Instinct, Total Recall, RoboCop. The uh, this guy's got Classics. some pretty serious chops. I could Yeah, a lot it, of cult, cult classic movies. And I could see the ties, like definitely to like the Total Recall and stuff. Even uh, especially in like the effects. For being an older movie, this has surprisingly decent effects. And I guess you can't really say that about Total Recall and the inflating heads and shit like that. But that's, um, fair. that's a great scene. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this this has pretty decent effects for the time that it was it was filmed in. And I don't know, it, it holds up to this day, in my opinion. They also, for some really weird reason, has turned into a straight-to-video franchise. God, there why were, did they do that? <laughs> there were two more movies, live-action movies. Yeah, there were two more uh, animated films. The most recent watched, came out three years ago. I watched the animated series when I was the a kid. The CGI one? Yeah, that was good shit. Roughneck Starship Troopers Chronicles. <laughs> Three oh, years ago? Three years ago. Starship Troopers, Traitor of Mars. Why? I don't know. Because they've completely lost the point at this at this juncture. There's no yeah. way they're like continuing on. No, that. This is just, they, they decided to take all of the, the gore and tits, David, as you so eloquently put it, and just focus gore on that. <laughs> Sci-fi bugs and boobs. Let's franchise some gore and tits. And forget the great satire. Just lose the great satire, the amazing satire that you put into this movie, and let's just go full blown gore and tits for like five more movies. I mean, it's been so successful for so many other studios. 
you know what the best part is? Is Casper Van Dien came back for the third one. No. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? And I, I'm I don't I don't even have words for that. He must have been really needing the next bump or something. <laughs> so, so watch this movie. It's a great satire. Uh, even if you just want to see space bugs, watch this movie. It's great. Die space bugs. That's <laughs> I'm doing my part. <laughs> anyway, doing my part. <laughs> so I think that's it uh, for our recommendations this week. We're going to move to one warning for the week. Um, this is the movie we want you to avoid because we're all in agreement. It sucks because real it's bad. Poop. It's poop. It's you don't want to watch poop. This movie gets five out of five poops. This is so not the good kind of poop either. David, not, not tell us about this. You stand up and you're super satisfied. No, this, this is, is the like one that clings. Dripping stink poop. It's like wiping a marker. Yeah. <laughs> Still poop. Still poop. Yeah, no, it is. It is Still like poop. wiping a marker. This is one of those movies that just like does not satisfy at all. Um, Ender's Game. What the hell? Um, yeah, what happened here? You know, and like I'm looking at the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and they are... 62%, 65%. That is far beyond what this feel movie like deserves. That's padded. That, that's that's uh, like ridiculous. How did they get those reviews? Because they took this amazing book and this amazing book series and just kind of fucking smashed it into a movie and threw Harrison Ford in there to try and sell it. And it sucked my dick off. It was fucking so, terrible. So bad. Literally like, off. This, I don't have a dick like, anymore. this this is one of my favorite books and i mean they just they they cut out so much of the meaningful parts of this book in order to 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 fit it into this 113 minute runtime holy shit i i mean the entire uh vr sequence was cut out and everything that that meant to the character of Ender and and how he develops, and they're just so disappointing. They it's like wipe. They didn't do anything with Valentine. I don't even remember Peter being in it. Was his brother even in it? Like, yeah, he must have been. They mentioned him, at the beginning. But, but that was it, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, like this. The only other movie that honestly I feel like is this bad for such that was an adaptation of another beloved form of media was like we talked about the live action last airbender yeah the where they took all the right material and turned it into a giant pile of sucked off dicks that <laughs> but not in just, a good way no it was bad they were sucked off completely, completely off, off spit out <laughs> it was if just you a, loved the book like i'm sure all three of us loved the book because that was like yeah. one of the formative books of our of our childhoods um don't don't watch this. It's going to ruin everything you loved about the book. It doesn't satisfy at all. I really wanted it to satisfy that urge to see them playing the the war games that they have to play up in the in the space station and stuff. And it it sucked. It was Man, bad. Another thing, I forgot Ben Kingsley's in this movie. Yeah. I just straight up forgot he's in this fucking movie. Yeah. It's easy to do. It's it's a super forgettable role and, and a role that should have been fucking amazing it was just bad uh like i said harrison ford was just kind of stuck in there he played uh colonel graf and he did it wrong like he was a little too uh 
nice, a little too connected to be a kernel graph. And it just, it didn't land with me. And, and nothing about these characters captured anything about what the characters written in the book were, were supposed to be. And, yeah. and it just was, was not good. Yeah. This was a super miss. Don't ever watch this. Don't subject yourself to it. Just don't, don't it's poop. poop. It's wiping poop. Them. This is the definition of wiping a marker. Anyway, I think that wraps it up. Um, I think that's going to be it for this week. So don't forget to check out our other show, Three Guys One Up, uh, also on the Three Guys One Up podcast network. You can find all our latest episodes at threeguysoneup.com. That's number three, number one. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Spencer underscore 3G1Up. I'm at Jesus, H-E-Z-O-O-S, one up. I am at Spurgling, S-P-E-R-G-L-I-N-G. Don't forget to check out our Discord. Come chat with us. Tell us uh, why we're wrong about our picks. Give us some other options to, for things you'd like to hear us talk about. And um, check out our Facebook. Come give us a like. Uh, you'll get updates for all our new show episodes. And I think that's going to wrap it up for the week. So we will be back with you next week for another brand new edition of Weekend Watch. Thank you. Bye-bye. Watch it. Again, listen.